Job chapter 21 and verse number 15. Job 21 and 15 said, What is the Almighty that we should serve Him? And what profit should we have if we pray unto Him? I want to read that again because I want you to get this. I want you to listen carefully to what he's saying. What is the Almighty that we should serve Him? And what profit should we have if we pray unto Him? I titled this lesson tonight, Prayer, Does It Matter? Does it matter? Um, I, I think it was, I think it was 2016. Now, I, obviously, I didn't just start praying in 2016. Uh, I'd, have been, I'd have been lost before now if it, that were the case. But uh, I, in 2016, the Lord really started dealing with me about prayer and uh, uh, the depth of prayer. I think we all probably pray. I, I, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands how many in here pray, but I believe we all pray. But I, I really wonder sometimes what the depth is that we go to in prayer, and, and I think it's so important. Um, and, and I'm not going to ask anybody to, to reply to this tonight, but just kind of there's some things that I want to kind of lay out before you um, and, and, and just to think about. It. Have you ever secretly wondered... Um, when you are, have, have prayed for something or you are praying for something and it hasn't happened yet or you haven't seen the results, have you, have you ever found yourself secretly wondering, don't nod your head or raise your hand uh, unless you just want to really be transparent tonight, but have you ever really wondered if prayer works? I mean, have you ever thought, you know, I wonder if prayer really works because I've prayed and, and there, you know, I'm, I've been praying for this particular thing for a year now or two years or whatever, and no evidence of anything happening through my prayer. Um, and again, along with that, have you ever asked for something in prayer and you seemingly have never received any results from that prayer? So the question, I guess, uh, begs to be answered, why should I pray? Why should I pray? I'd like to ask some very probing questions here at the outset of this tonight, and I uh, I, and I don't want anybody to raise your hands or respond outwardly, outwardly in any way, but I just, just for this is for our own personal introspection here tonight. First of all, do you pray? Number two, do, how often do you pray? Is your prayer life erratic? Number four, what reasons, for what reasons do you pray? Number five, are you sincere when you pray? Think, think about these. Number six, do you spend enough time to connect with God when you are praying? Number seven, does God talk to you when you pray? Number eight, do you find praying to become work or laborious? Number nine, do you get results from your prayer? And then number ten, I would like a show of hands. Would you like to do better in your prayer life? I'm going to raise my hand on that. Amen. Been praying a long time, and I don't think I have ever prayed too much. Amen. Now, notice the question that Job asked here in this verse that we started with. He said, what profit should we have if we pray unto him? In other words, do we gain anything by praying? This is the question that Job's asking, and he's, Job is the guy that we talk about that uh, he, he didn't have, I mean, 
if there was anybody that was close to perfect, Job must have been the guy because the Bible said he avoided evil at all costs. He did everything he could to stay away from evil. And uh, in fact, when uh, we find, when we actually discover Job in the Bible, he, he's in a, in a converse, or he is not in the conversation, but he is in, in, in a conversation that's taking place between Satan and God. And, and, and God asks him, where have you been, uh, Satan? And he said, well, I've been going up down through the earth. And he said, have you considered my servant Job? He said, there's nobody like him in all the earth. Now, that's quite a testimony coming from the mouth of God. There's nobody like him in all the earth. Now, that, that's the same guy now that's asking this question when he's in the middle of a trial. I'm not going to go into the depth of the trial because you've all heard it uh, preached about and talked about and you've read about it. But this Job now is in the midst of the worst crisis, the worst trial that I think anybody could ever go through in his life. He's lost everything that he's got. He's lost his, his, his children. He's lost his wealth. He's lost his health. He's lost his friends. He's lost every. In, in fact, his wife even comes to him. I mean, might, she might as well be gone too because she said, you might just as well curse God and die. In other words, I'm done with you too. Um, and, and so in the midst of this crisis, there's this question that comes from Job, and he asks this. Now, this is well into the process of his trial. He says, what profit should we have if we pray unto him? Um, do we gain anything by praying? Now, let me begin or, or address that with the, by stating a fact. Real prayer and I'm not just talking about now I lay me down to sleep prayers. I'm talking about real prayer has incredible potential and it has incredible power. Real prayer. Amen. Even those that pray very little, uh, I've read accounts of people that uh, didn't even claim to be Christians, didn't claim to have a relationship with God, and yet in a crisis they prayed. Somebody said one time there's no uh, atheists in a foxhole. Um, there's no atheists in war or, or in crisis. And when, when you're in a crisis, people have a tendency to pray. So even those that pray very little can testify to the power of prayer. They can testify that prayer really does work uh, if, you, if you really do it. Uh, prayer, I believe, can literally move the hand of God. Amen. James used these words to describe the power of prayer in James chapter 5 and verse 16, he said, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. And then he says this, it's so powerful. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That literally means uh, if, you pray, if you're praying anemic prayers, uh, you're not probably going to get very far with God. But he talks about these fervent prayers, the effectual Fervent prayer. Fervent means literally translated hot. A, a fiery prayer where you get down. Uh, you know, I, I think probably everybody that's prayed has had those moments of crisis or moments in your life when you realize that you, I mean, it was, it was uh, you need God right now. It's not, uh, you don't want to wait till tomorrow. You can't wait till tomorrow. And all of a sudden your prayer turns from sleepy prayer to urgent prayer. That's what he's talking about here. Fervent prayer transcends the impossible. When you, when you pray fervent prayers, all of a sudden you, 
you, there's something that, that changes in, internally and you, you don't see the impossible anymore. You start to see the possibility. Uh, uh, I mean, why would we pray if we didn't pray uh, possible prayers? Why would we even ask God if we did not think it was possible for something to happen? So fervency in your prayer, it crosses a barrier and reaches into the, the impossible and says, I, I need something here, and I'm going to pull it back with prayer. How many of you in this room can say without any doubt that prayer has worked for you? You have prayed a prayer. Amen. And, and it's worked for you. Now, I'm going to say this. Uh, I'm the one that's teaching this tonight. I'm teaching on prayer, and I really believe God gave this to me tonight. But I'm going to say this. <clears throat> there, not every prayer I've prayed has, has received an answer yet. I've prayed some prayers, and some of those prayers I've prayed, I've been praying for a while, and I still don't have the answer yet. But I can tell you this, and I'll testify, and I'll stand on this, that I've prayed enough prayers that have received answers. I know prayer works. And I don't understand sometimes. You know, we, we have to understand that just because we came to a point in our life where we pray about something and we haven't received the answer yet, don't give up on prayer because you need to look backward and say, okay, I remember when God did this or when God did that. So prayer does work. Amen. Amen. You see, one problem that we struggle with is the fact that we are too, too prone to be creatures of the past. Uh, we look backward instead of looking in or living in the moment. We, uh, we try to determine future results based upon what we've done in the past or what's happened in the past. In other words, too often we think that we, uh, what we pray about today could not possibly come to pass because of the failures of our past. Amen. Or because of a failed prayer that we we call it a failed prayer. I don't believe there is any such thing as a failed prayer. God hears every prayer. He knows from the 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 moment the words come out of your mouth. God knows uh, what's taking place. He knows the uh, you know this is uh, this is this has dr drug me back to prayer more times than. But the Bible says, brother Price, that He knows what we need before we ask. You say, well, why should I ask then? Because if God already knows what I need, why would I even bother asking? Because he wants you to ask. He wants you to ask. Amen. And so we, we, we've got to stop looking back at the past and say, well, I failed here, or, or I, I, I didn't trust God on this account or that account, or I failed in my walk with God, and so therefore God's not going to hear me now. Well, when, you know, one thing I will say, and this is not in my notes, if you've got failures that you haven't dealt with yet, repent and go on and live for God. Put it in the past and leave it in the past. Amen. Uh, the devil wants us to constantly live in, in a state of, in, in, in a complex of failures and wants us to believe that that's all we are is a failure. But you know what? Once you ask God to forgive you of that, the Bible says he separates us as far as the east is from the west from those failures or those sins, and then we can go on and live for God. Amen. And God will be gracious to us. So stop living in the past. Amen. Jesus chided his disciples on several occasions because of their unbelief. Um, why did he rebuke them about this? And I'll, uh, it's very simple. They, they forget too easily or they forgot too easily. Uh, they focused only on what they were seeing 
uh, or feeling in that particular moment. And so when there was a crisis, uh, they, they did not look backward at what God had done. They lived in that moment. Um, they would fixate, um, they would fixate on, on, on the problem of now or the problem of the moment. Uh, a couple of examples of that. You remember uh, there's some, uh, two different places in the Bible uh, where, and I don't think it's accidental that both of these happened in the middle of a storm, but uh, one of those was in, I believe it's in Mark chapter 4, where uh, Jesus is uh, on, a, on a boat with them. He told them, he said, let's go over to the other side. He's on the boat. He's not worried about anything. <laughs> you know, God doesn't wake up in the morning and think, wow, I didn't see that coming. Uh, God, God is, he, he, he doesn't worry about things. There's nothing that stresses him out. So he's on the boat and he's asleep. And I really believe that there, there is uh, something to be said in that because God wants us to understand that it doesn't matter what's going on in our life, He's there. He's not going anywhere, and He's not lost confidence in His ability to take care of you in the problem. If Jesus said, take me to the other side, I promise you He intended fully to get to the other side. Amen. And they, 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 they're waking him up in the, in the Christ, I mean, the storm's butt, you know, whipping the boat back and forth, and the waves are crashing in the water. I don't know how you can sleep in that, but Jesus, that just goes to show you, we don't have to worry as long as the Lord's with us. And they wake him up, and they say, don't you care if we perish? It was just prior to that, and I'm not going to go back and read all of this, but it was just prior, you go back to the, the well, that was in chapter eight, I think, where, where I just uh, where they were on the boat. But back in chapter five, uh, it was it was where the Bible talks about him starting his his miracle ministry, and and he he did miracles. The Bible talks about bringing multitudes to him, and they you have to get this picture in your mind. These men that are on this boat with him have watched him do incredible things. I, the, when, when he healed multitudes, I, I, I don't think everybody in the multitude had the same disease. So they saw all kinds of things take, uh, healed and, and, and maybe lame people walk and, and, I don't know, blinded eyes unstopped or opened and deaf ears unstopped. I'm not sure, but there was all kinds. The fifth chapter talks about it. Now we get to the eighth chapter and they're worried sick because Jesus is in the boat sleeping and they're on, in a storm. The second one uh, is in Matthew chapter 14 where uh, Jesus has just finished feeding 5,000 people. I mean, by, by the, the time they get to this point in, in his ministry, he has done the most incredible things that any... I, I, you, couldn't, you couldn't follow another human being that did what he did. And yet, they watched him just feed 5,000, and he told them, he said, now you get on the boat, and you go to the other side. I'm going to tell you this. He already intended... He had a lesson worked out for them. He had a plan for them that night. The Bible says there in the 14th chapter, in, in, they're in this, in this boat, they're, they're, they're trying to get across this body of water, and it's probably one of the most uh, tempestuous bodies of water in the world when, when the storms come through there. I was on that sea of, uh, there, and, and they said that they're, the way the mountains are, there's wind that comes through, and it literally sometimes feels like a hurricane on that, on, on that body of water. 
And so here they are on this body of water, and the wind's blowing. The, the boat looks like it's going to capsize. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says in the fourth watch, Jesus decided to go to them. And he's walking on the water. Now, he, you got to get this in your... I, I, they said, here, these guys say, is it really you, Jesus? Is that you? If that's you, let, Peter says, if that's you, let me... Who did they expect it to be? Who else could walk on water? Here comes a man walking out across the water, and, and they ask, if, is that you, Jesus? I'm going to tell you something. What, what both of these accounts tell me is, You've got to learn how to trust him. It doesn't matter what crisis you're in. I don't care how bad the storm is. Trials and storms and afflictions don't mean that God has stopped answering prayer or stopped working. Amen. Actually, it's in those moments that God is able to show his greatest glory and his greatest power. If I didn't have trials, I'd never have to call on God. If I had never had a need, I'd never have to pray. It's, this is part of the human existence. It's part of our, 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 our life experience, amen. So the problem is not God. God's, you know, we, we blame this on God. Well, I prayed, I, pr I prayed all last week or all last month or all last year, and God hasn't done anything for me yet. Well, let me say this. He is not limited at all in his power. God's power has not, it's not restricted by anything. His power has not left He's not any less powerful than he ever. You see, sometimes we talk about God having more power or less power. He always has the same amount of power because he's God. His power doesn't diminish or grow. His power is, is so great, it, it surrounds the world. It goes through the universe. It fills all of time and space. And so God's not limited by anything but by us. The problem is not God. The problem is me. Amen. The problem stems from several mistakes that we make in our, in our life, amen, and we've got to be aware of those. I, and I'm going to go quickly here, but let's take a look at some of those things that we, that the problems that we have and the reasons why sometimes we think that prayer doesn't work. Number one, we fail to pray regularly. I will say I think that's probably one of the biggest problems that we have in our life is that we don't have a regular prayer life. Amen. In fact, I, uh, Paul writing to the uh, church in Thessalonica in the fifth chapter in verse 17 says this, pray without ceasing. Now, does that literally mean that once I start praying, I can never stop praying? Well, let's address that. I used to think that that scripture meant that you should always remember your specific prayer time if I pray at 5 every morning, I should get up every morning at, at 5 and pray or whatever time it be and be faithful to that. But the older I get, the more I know about God and how prayer works, and the more that I pray, uh, I'm convinced it means exactly what it says. Pray without ceasing. Don't ever stop praying. Amen. Does that mean I have to pray 24 hours a day? Uh, you know, constantly, I'm not, I, I never stop to take a breath. I'm just praying. Let's address it. Uh, he, 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 he's talking about this. This is what Paul's saying here. Pray without ceasing. Now, I believe that we need to have a prayer time. I really believe if you don't designate a prayer time in your life, you're probably not going to pray. 
uh, you'll probably, prayer will probably become weak and ineffective in your life. So I really believe that every person ought to have a prayer life and, and, and have a specific time that you go to prayer. And I don't, and, and it should not be after you get everything else done. Prayer shouldn't be the last thing on your list. It should be the first part of your day. Amen. David said in the psalm, he said, early will I seek thee. Now, I'm not, I don't believe he meant uh, at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. or 4 a.m. I don't believe that. I believe he meant, meant in when, when I have the, the, the opportunity in, in the earliest part of my day, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to talk to you, God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach out for you. Amen. And, but, but then throughout the day, there will be those moments. That, when you have a relationship with God, there should be those moments in your life when all of a sudden it just becomes normal. It just becomes a second nature. You talk to him. Now, if somebody saw you, they'd probably think something was wrong with you because you literally will have those moments when all of a sudden you're just talking to God. Amen. Now, you know, I, I don't believe you ought to have to stand on your job or wherever you're in your classroom or wherever you happen to be and, and pray out loud, oh, Lord Jesus, I wanted to take time right now to pray. No, there are, there, there are moments when you can't do that, but there are moments when you can pray and nobody, there, you maybe have 50, 75, 100 people around you. They don't know you're praying, but you are. So there has to be an actual conversational time with, with God. God wants to know that you care enough about him to talk to him. Amen. Prayer is not something that we should do out of drudgery. It's something we ought to do because we love God. Amen. And so uh, we do that. And in Paul's letter to the Ephesian church, he wrote about putting on the armor of God. These are the things that are necessary to, be, uh, to avoid being defeated by the devil. Uh, it's important that we understand this because I think that, that if we miss this, this is really going to hurt us in our prayer life. I'm going to read this very quickly, uh, these things that Paul listed, because in reality, Paul was simply saying that you can't live for God unless you do these things. These are important to live for God. So in Ephesians 6 and 10, Paul says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, he's addressed a lot of things to them already, but in this one, he wants to, to help them understand that they can win against the enemy. He said, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So he starts to tell, he's telling these people that are struggling and that are having problems. And it seemed to me like every church that Paul wrote to are having problems. They're not, it's not unlike the churches of today. We still struggle in our, in our lives, and, and we have got to be able to deal with these things. And so Paul says, you're dealing with a lot of wickedness in this world. Amen. It's not a whole, it's, their time was not a whole lot different than what it is now. We act like we've got the most corrupt, evil world that the, ha, has ever been. It's always been corrupt. There's always been a devil, and the world's always been evil. And so Paul's addressing this. And, and because of that, he says this in verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the e in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. 
and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Then he says in verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Every one of these things that Paul listed are vital uh, to stay connected with God. Amen. They're, they're vital. But notice how he, he, he ends this list or starts uh, verse 18. He says, pray always. The devil never stops trying to attack you, and so you should never stop praying. I will say this. The devil does not want you to pray. Have you ever had a time when you got down to pray and, and it was like God was right there? And I mean, when you open your mouth, tears are flowing. The, the prayer comes really easy and, and it's just like there is this incredible power flowing and you can just feel the ease of prayer. Have you ever had those moments? Have you ever had the times maybe in the very next day you get down to prayer and it seems like the room's cold, you're praying against the wall, your prayer's bouncing off the ceiling, coming right back down? I'll tell you why that is. The devil does not want you to get regular in your prayer life. The devil does not want you to experience uh, the regularity of talking to God because he knows if you pray all the time, if you start praying always like Paul admonished and, and like the Lord admonished and others admonished, it, it, he knows that if you start praying with a, uh, a on a regular basis that he is in trouble. He cannot win against you when you pray. Amen. I said the devil cannot win against you when you pray. Amen. You must pray in order to stay in touch with God. Uh, Jude, uh, verse 20 says, Be, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your, uh, on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Uh, so the second thing we do wrong is that we pray only when we're desperate or when we need something. I just got a bad report from the doctor. Everybody, come on, pray, saints, pray. What were you doing before you got the, the bad report from the doctor? Amen. So, uh, unfortunately, a lot of people, that's what happens. We pray only when we have a need. I need a new job, or I, I need God to bless me with this new car, that, or money to get this done, or I need this or that. And so we pray in those moments. Uh, I, I, that's, that's a problem. Continual uh, and regular prayer builds faith and spiritual power. So if we're continually praying, if we're praying every day, uh, even on those, on those days when you get down to pray, it, if anybody tells you that every time they pray, they immediately touch God and they never have any opposition, they're probably not telling you the truth. Because if you are trying to live for God and if you are trying to, I don't care if you've been in this in this. Uh, uh, in this experience for 50, 75 years, you're still going to receive opposition from the enemy when you try to pray. Amen. Amen. You will. And so you've got to understand this. I just got to keep doing it. I just have to keep doing it. I have to keep doing it. Prayer is conversation with God. I've got, I, God does not want me to stop my conversation with him. Even though, you know, sometimes there's all kinds of distractions that are coming up, I still have to get to the place where he understands that you are more important to me, God, than anything around me. Amen. God's more important. I'm going to say something, and my wife understands this, but God is more important to me than my relationship with my wife. 
Because if that relationship with God is right, my relationship with her will be right. Amen. He's more important to me than money, than, than anything, my house, my car. God's more important to me than anything else, and I want him to know that. But the only way he will know that is if I regularly talk to him. Amen. So it builds faith and it builds spiritual power. Most people have never learned the power of praying in the Holy Ghost. And I really believe that we should learn how to pray in the Holy Ghost. Amen. I really believe that we should. You won't ever get there by praying part-time prayers. If your prayer time is, uh, is just sporadic and, and you get down and you pray for five minutes here, two minutes there, three minutes there, you probably will never get to the place where you pray in the Holy Ghost. But I believe that some of the most effective prayers that are prayed are prayed in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. And so you have to understand that if you only pray when you're in need, then you'll never learn how to really communicate with God. Amen. I, I'm going to hurry here because I, I, I want to get to the end of this very quickly. But um, uh, you, you have to learn how to pray in the Spirit. The Bible talks about God is a Spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in Spirit and in truth. And so when we pray in the Spirit, there is a realm that we go into. There is a place that we enter into. And you need to learn how to pray until you get there. Amen. Amen. Um, uh, the next problem that we encounter uh, is sin in our lives. Uh, and uh, this is one that we have to understand. If, if, you're, if you're continually living in a place of sin and, you, and yet you want God to bless you, God won't bless sin. So we, uh, this is just, this is as plain as the nose on my face. We have got to learn that if there's things in our life, we must put those things out of the way if we really want a relationship with God. Amen. God has great things in store for us. He really wants to bless us. He really wants to pour things out upon us. He really wants to do great things for us individually. But we first have to live clean and holy before him so that, that his will can be fulfilled in us. It's God's will that his glory shine out through you. It's God's will that you, that you prosper in the kingdom of God. But first of all, we have to get into the place uh, where God can work in us. And, and, and there's a, a passage in, in the Old Testament in Joshua 7. I'm not going to read it. I don't have time to go there. Uh, but in Joshua chapter 7, most of you are aware or know this story about how that Israel went into battle and God told them, uh, you don't bring back any of the spoils. It's kind of interesting to me because some of the times when they went into battle, God told them, collect everything and bring it home with you. But this particular time, God said, don't you pick up anything. You leave everything. Leave it all behind. Now, I, I, you say, well, why? I don't have any idea. He's God. God can do what he wants to. But he told them, don't bring anything home. Well, guess what? Somebody grabbed a few things and brought them home. And he hid them, he dug a, a hole underneath his, his tent there and put them down in and covered them all up. Thought that nobody knew about it. And, and yet, here's the thing, God knew. They go out into a battle, and, and, the, and in this battle, they, uh, they had just won a great battle. And so they, they send uh, three or 4,000 men over to this little, little city named Ai. And uh, they thought, we just 
you know, this is going to be e this is just going to be easy. We'll just send a handful of men over there. We'll win this. And they got there, and, and the city put them on the run and, and just slaughtered them, just wiped them out. And so Joshua gets down before God, and he starts praying. And he says, God, what's going on here? And, uh, we, you know, we're, we're winning victories and, and doing things right, I thought, and yet here we are. We're, we're losing in this battle. What's going on, God? God said, I can't bless you because there's sin in your camp. There's something, going, there's something wrong in the household of Israel, and, and it's got to be taken care of. And so you know the story. He brings everybody out, and, and they, they start going through all of the, the families. They come to this uh, particular family, uh, the Zerhites, and they said, okay, they we're going to cast lots. And they, Long story, they come down to this one family, Achan. Okay, Achan, what's going on? Well... You know, we got down there, and I saw all these things, and, and I just thought it would be okay just to bring home a little bit, you know, and I just got a few garments and just got a little bit of stuff here. It's not anything big. It's just a little. In fact, it's so little I was able to hide it under the floor of my tent. It doesn't matter how little it is, friend. Let me tell you something. If you're hiding something in your life, you could be the one holding back the, the blessings of God in your family or the blessings of God in your own personal life. And sometimes it's got to be, those things have got to be dug up and dealt with. And they dealt with it and God blessed them after that. I'm going to say this, you, don't, you can't hide anything from God. There's nothing you can hide from God. And if you're asking God to bless you and you're praying prayers and you're not getting answers for your prayers and you're, 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 you're struggling through and trying to find out why, I'm going to say this, just start looking inwardly. Because the problem is not God. The problem is never God. Amen. Now, there are prayers that are prayed that God's timing is just not yet. And, and so you, you have to understand that. And if you look at your life and you say, well, there's no, I, God, I've searched myself. There's no sin in my life. I don't find anything in me that's wrong. I've repented of everything I know to repent of. Then just wait on the Lord. Just, just trust God that God knows exactly what he's doing. And I promise you this, if you'll do that, God will start answering prayers. Pray, praying is so vital and so important, and God will answer prayers like you never thought possible. Stand with me tonight. Amen. God wants to bless you. Keep a clean heart. Keep trusting God. Keep believing God. Amen. You have plenty of reasons to pray, but most importantly, your life depends upon it. Amen. Just do it. It really does matter. Amen. James said, and I'm closing. James said, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Prayer matters. Prayer matters, amen. It matters a great deal. Amen. If I, it, it, if I desire to please God, then I must pray. Amen. I must keep my heart clean. I'd like to close this out tonight. 
uh, before I turn this over. I, I'd like to close this out tonight and just let's raise our hands and, and tell God, God, I want to I pray more than I ever have. I want to be more effective at prayer than I ever have before. Lord, see our hearts. God, you know us better than we know ourselves. There are things in each and every one of us, oh God, that try to hold us back and try to hinder us, oh God, and stop us from becoming what you want us to be. But I pray, God, that every morning when we wake up, we realize how important conversation with you is. And that becomes the most important thing that we do in our day. Everything else can fall second, third, fourth, tenth place, whatever. But, God, I want you to be first and foremost in my life. And so, God, I want to pray effective prayers. I want to reach you effectively. I want to talk to you, Lord, from my heart. I want you to hear my voice, oh, God. I want to be used by you, Lord God. Help me, oh, Lord, to be effective. I pray, God, for this church that it will pray like it's never prayed before. God, that people will learn to pray before they do anything else, oh, God that they will put you first and foremost in their lives. Uh, God, that they will be want, that they will wake up with a desire to talk to you. Uh, they will wake up with desire to commune with you, Lord Jesus. We ask it in Jesus' name. God, prayer does matter, and we want to do it with all of our hearts. Uh, God, we want to be effective in our prayers. Help us, oh God, as we pray to reach out, oh God, because through prayers we can conquer enemies. We can win cities, oh God. We can tear down strongholds, oh God. God. Oh God, we can overcome uh, wickedness in our lives and in our homes and our workplaces. Uh, help us to pray like we've never prayed before. God, and I believe that when we pray, God, you're going to answer from heaven. You will hear from heaven and heal, uh, heal us, God. You'll heal our land. You'll heal our homes. You'll heal our sicknesses. You'll heal our diseases. Uh, but more importantly, oh God, you'll bless us abundantly. And I praise you, oh God. Let us pray like we've never prayed before in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you tonight, church.